Today on Precarious Parenting, I'm talking to Sally and Alex, who are mother and son, and we talk candidly about cystic fibrosis and how it's affected them as individuals and as a family. Their message is so important that we ended up recording a much longer episode than usual, but I think you might end up being as absorbed as I was. Alex was a student of mine years ago, and we stayed in contact ever since, and I'm absolutely thrilled that they joined me today to share their story. So hi, Alex. Hi, Sally. Great to have you here. Hi, Marie. Thank you for having us. Hi, Marie. Hi. So tell me about yourselves. Um, What are you both doing at the moment? Where do you live? Paint a picture for me for you both. Okay. Hello. My name's Sally and I'm married to Ivan and I have two children. Alex, who's 28 years old, and Jenny Wren, who's 22 years old. And both Jenny and Alex have cystic fibrosis, a hereditary life-threatening condition. We all live in Bournemouth. Ivan is a retired teacher and chairperson for the East Dorset branch of the CF Trust and Dorset CF Kids. And myself, a registered general nurse, facilitator and chair of a local dementia group. Oh, blimey, you're busy then, Sally. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Alex, how about you? Yeah, um... Hi everyone, I'm Alex. I'm 28 years old. Um, as my mum has already said, I've got cystic fibrosis. Uh, I also have um, type 1 diabetes, uh, chronic fatigue, asthma, and uh, post traumatic stress disorder. So, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a, a little, uh, little messed up. <laughs> but um (laughs) physically yeah physically but uh you know it's it is what it is um and you know at the moment I've recently uh graduated university uh with a first class honours degree um I'm having a little respite at the moment uh between uh starting my business um so you know once I've had a little bit of a breather you know after graduating I'll start that in earnest so I'm looking forward to that and what's that going to be Alex so uh, I will be uh, a hypertrophy coach which specializes in uh, building building muscle putting uh, basically bodybuilding uh, so I, I do a bit of sports science and nutrition um, and I apply all of my knowledge in that area to helping people achieve their uh, their, their goals, uh, essentially. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but oh, I need a breather. I need a breather. So. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I first met you, Alex, um, when I was working at Brockenhurst College and I interviewed you when you were coming back yeah. to do further study um because you said to me i i remember that interview as if it were yesterday because the way you were you you actually nearly metaphorically knocked the chair away from underneath me because you said <laughs> i have a life expectancy age of 22 then you said yeah. and all i want to do is go to university and be a university student and mm. it was like right whatever we need to do to get you through yeah. and you've done it you're there and now you're setting well I, I, I can't take all the credit uh you you helped enormously so you know it's, it's always been much appreciated um 
So thank you. Well, be, be, before we fall into a loving, which I could easily do when we get down that, <laughs> let's move on to, to um, so Sally, tell tell me about cystic fibrosis and how it's affected your family, and how um, it was initially detected with with your first child with Alex. Um. Well, CF came to us as a total shock, uh, a bolt out of the blue. As far as we knew, we were unaware of any CF history in our family. A couple of past relations had reportedly died of scarlet fever um, or consumption, or maybe this was cystic fibrosis. Alex was poorly from birth. Um, Green nappies, copious amount of nappies, always ravenous, poor weight gain, bronchitis, respiratory infections, abdominal pain, colic pain, crying constantly, and just really difficult to settle. Uh, At the age of six months, Alex weighed 12 pounds, just over. His birth weight was six pounds, eight ounces. And I'd been worried for some time that something was wrong. One time the GP had said my baby wasn't bonny. And when I asked him what he meant by this, he said, well, he's tiny for his age. I also overheard him say to a colleague that I was a first time mum, anxious and a nurse. Uh, Another time I called the GP for a home visit uh, as Alex had difficult breathing. um, And I just felt something was really seriously wrong. Alex had been on and off antibiotics since he was three weeks old. And, you know, this just isn't normal. A newborn baby should be healthy. The GP agreed Alex was in respiratory distress and gave me a letter to take to the neonatal ward at Paul Hospital on the Thursday. That was three days away. I was just astounded and appalled. And I actually asked the GP to look me in the eye and asked him if this was his son, would he be happy with this? And he said, no. And with that, I just ordered him out of the house and I and asked Ivan to get the car ready. And we took Alex immediately to Paul Hospital. I just, I just, sorry to stop your flow there, Sally, but when the, when the GP said, or when the doctor described you as a first time mum, anxious and a nurse were they almost just brushing you off kind of saying yes yes she's a she's a nurse maybe she thinks she knows it all you know we're the doctors we know best and she's anxious because you know this is her first time as a mum but although it's my first time as a mum I was a nurse and I'd had you know I'd done my maternity I'd, I'd held small babies I bathed them I knew what was right and what was wrong. Yeah. So I just felt nobody was believing me. No. Gosh, how awful. Sorry, keep keep going with your story. Yeah. Um, on Alex's notes in the hospital was written, failure to thrive. And that really hit home because mm. I thought, well, no matter how much I feed him, I'm not starving him, he just didn't put on weight. Um, So a sweat test was done where a pad is placed on each of his tiny wrists and held with a rubber band. 
And this measures the salt content because people with CF are incredibly salty. Um, my mum was staying at home looking after Alex whilst I did a food shop and the paediatric consultant telephoned and informed my mum that Alex had cystic fibrosis and that the condition was very serious and they would want to discuss with the consultant um, to have an appointment with Ivan and myself. Uh, my mum was obviously distressed and she phoned Ivan at work but was unable to get hold of him. So she managed to speak to a cleaner to get a message to him. Uh, when I got home, mum was sobbing and she told me it was the worst imaginable news ever about Alex. When she said that, I tried to comprehend what she was trying to say to me. And I remember thinking, is she telling me that whilst I've been out, Alex has had a cot death. To me, that was the worst news ever. So I knew I had to be calm and I composed myself before I went into the nursery. And I was so surprised to see him standing up in his cot, beaming at me. And I, I remember turning to mum and said, he's not dead. And she replied, but I didn't say he was. So when she told me the consultant had phoned, and said that he had CF. I felt nothing but relief because he wasn't dead. He had CF, he was alive. Um, at the time of that diagnosis, Alex was six months old. I was so shocked my mum was given this news over the telephone and also as his parents not to be informed first. And today, this just wouldn't happen. <clears throat> I'd just like to clarify, actually. Yes. But when you said CF people are incredibly salty. Yes. You mean you mean taste. When, oh when, yes, I do. We're, we're not yes. we're not a bitter we're not a bitter people. <laughs> you know. Uh, we're we're we're, gen, we're, gen, we're we're generally quite happy. The, <laughs> to give you an example, in really hot weather, when um, animals. It needs more salt. The dog is always licking Alex and Jenny yeah. as like a salt lick. Yeah. <laughs> he does this thing with his tongue and he just... <laughs> it is brilliant. I'm starting thinking about cows in fields and licking... Mm. Yes, yes. I'm not going there. Yes. I'm not going there. <laughs> so... So, I mean, what a what a traumatic, you know, 28 years ago, what a traumatic start to your young family life and for Alex's life um, and, 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 and the slow development and slower growth and, and all the confusion that comes from that. Uh, and how has it affected you all as a family? So Al has Alex has grown up and other children that have, have now in your family, you know, what's... How would you say CF has affected your? Oh, it's had a massive impact on all of us. I think one imagines planning a family will be straightforward. And for us, it was not to be. Um, as Ivan and I are both carriers, there's a one in four chance of having a baby with CF. And we were told having another child with CF would seriously jeopardise Alex's health but we were also reassured that it would be a 75% chance of the next baby would be healthy 
And we thought, surely it couldn't happen again. The odds were in our favour. Sadly, we had two further pregnancy over the next two years, both girls, Olivia and Mary, both with CF. But we were told Alex's health must come first. Bearing in mind this was 26 years ago, or at least 26 years ago, we were told, um, yeah, that we, we just must put his health first. I'd read an article about pre-implantation genetic diagnosis known as PGD with Professor Robert Winston. And we waited two years for an appointment. He had successfully done 102 PGDs worldwide with only two misdiagnoses. Uh, unfortunately, we were to be his 103rd PGD and his third misdiagnosis. I can remember him saying to him the procedure is as scientific as flying a space shuttle to the moon. Uh, four CF pregnancies took a massive toll on our health, mentally and physically, um, but we were determined to continue with the pregnancy. And Jenny Wren was born six months after Alex. Six years. Six years. Six years. Sorry, why did I say six months? Um, six years after Alex. Living with poorly children affects every aspect of your life. Not being able to plan and do things that most people take for granted and continually letting people down as things change literally minute to minute and time and time again. <clears throat> so somebody could invite you for lunch and you're all ready to go and literally a few minutes later one of the children's poorly so you ring up and you say, unfortunately, you can't make it. And they say, but we only spoke to you three minutes ago and everything was fine. Mm. Um, as time goes by, you become much more accepting um, of not being able to do things spontaneously. And if you do, you've got to be prepared to pay the consequences. Um, like the time that Alex swam in the river just once with his friends wanting to be normal and do normal things like his friends and contracting mycobacterium abscesses, where he was so poorly with the eradication treatment, it nearly cost him his life. Mm. So CF is a roller coaster. It is full of ups and downs, but it's imperative to celebrate and appreciate all the good things come with it too. Uh, we've swapped roles throughout our careers to care for Alex and Jenny, and it's very much teamwork. Mm. Sally, can I, this is, this is questions, um, well, I'm going to ask it and see what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with, the two, with the two girls, between Alex and Jenny, did you say that the, 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 the pregnancies didn't um, last for fruition or were the girls actually born? Uh, I found out at, well, this is what is really difficult because unfortunately Ivan and I don't believe in terminations yeah. and I was 20, approximately 20 weeks pregnant with each of them. Um, so but by the time you wait for results to come back and 
people decide when you can go into hospital to have the procedure you know time just goes on by um but you know Alex was with us and you know his his health was our priority yeah so Um, I'm understanding what you're saying so you had really massive decisions to make oh huge huge and Alex's health above any other um possible routes forward you had to put health first at that point yes we we both found it extremely difficult decisions and and I have quite a strong faith as well so it was very challenging yeah and how did you how did you get through that did you have support from family or or professional support to help you uh yeah yes we did we did but it was it was really uh, through Ivan and myself yeah, I mean, I I, I remember. Uh, so I would have been five, five. Mm. Yeah, um, spending a lot of time with uh, Marnie, Grandma. Uh, she she would look after me for long periods of time, and obviously I was completely uh, oblivious to anything that was going on. I just knew that you know, Mum and Dad were going away for a bit, um, and I I would be being looked after by my grandma. So yeah, uh, in hindsight, looking back, um, yeah, it was it was a strange strange time. Um, Absolutely, like I, I knew something was going on, but not not entirely sure what. So yeah, and and for you, for you, Alex, um, you know, I just said that when I first met you, your life expectancy was twenty two, and here you are, twenty eight. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, ever ever since sort of my early teens um well, when I was born the doctor what did he, he say he said um that I, I would be fortunate to make my 18th birthday yes yeah yes and um you know for the, for the most part of my I touch on it a bit later on as well but for, for the most part growing up my my childhood well certainly during my primary school years was uh, relatively relatively normal one uh, I did get ill from time to time and I did spend a lot of time in hospital but because I was you know born with this illness I, I didn't really know anything different um this this was sort of my normal um and it was only as I was getting older um uh, into my into my teens you know, I maybe began to be a bit more rebellious um and you know I, I I just wanted to be like all the other, all the other kids, you know, I didn't want to have to do all these injections and take all these tablets and, um, physio. and physio and all these nebulizers. And I think f- for the most part, I mean, growing up uh, sort of before the age of uh, 11 or, or 12, mum would do my physio um, morning and night every day 365 days of the year uh without fail and i'm only as healthy as i am today because of her dedication during those those early years um and um you know as i as i as i got older you know my health you know began to be a bit more um precarious (laughs) and um and i would 
you know, be spending more more and more time out of school and in hospital, uh, probably between the age of um, 14 and my early 20s. I was probably spending about three to four hospital admissions a year. Uh, so, so roughly, sorry. Well, I, re- I remember coming to bring work into you. Yeah, for yeah, I remember. I- yeah. for sort of months at a time uh, mm. I'd bring coursework in and take coursework away and the physios absolutely loved you you know yeah. because you you'd get on with the exercises and you were always keen to get out there and do, mm. do the training with them yeah yeah that's it I mean I think it, it was probably around the age of 18 or 19 um that I that I properly started exercising properly I, I had been a pretty active kid my entire life up until the age of about 14 when my health started to deteriorate and I I sort of maybe had somewhat of a nihilist um sort of worldview at the time and and I mean it it wasn't the, the best uh sort of life choice to, to make you know, I, I, I should have been more active. I should have been doing my medications uh, more, you know, diligently. But, you know, at the time, you, you want to live your life. You want to be a kid. You want to go out with your friends and you want to do all of these things. Um, so at the time, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. Um, uh, now, you know, I, you know, a little older, a little wiser. Um, I, I can see how important uh, taking all your medications is and, and exercise especially. Um, and it was uh, when I was roughly um, 18, I think I weighed about eight, eight and a half stone, I think something like 50 odd kilos. And I was like, I was, I was about six foot at the time. Um, and that was that's not a that's not a healthy way to be at so i you know i I started um eating forcing myself to eat growing up i had a lot of um, nasal gastric tubes you know feeding tubes to increase my weight and things like that so eating was quite a difficult um endeavor for me now when i started this process of trying to gain weight you know i was lifting lots of weights and eating ridiculous amounts of food and I was putting on weight fairly quickly um, to the point where uh, you know I was considerably heavier I think I put on um, roughly two stone no yeah two or three stone in the first year um, and then pretty much a, a stone every year for for a good few years I think the heaviest I got was about 95 kilos um and and that was it i was i was like hooked on on exercise and and bodybuilding um each and every session that i had um you know i was witnessing all of the all of my progress come to fruition and i thought yeah this is this is such a great feeling because my whole life i'd been um weak and small and for the first time in my life, I had some, you know, tangible measure of strength and size, and it felt great. You know, I had I had a, a new lease of confidence, um, 
and it it's been great and i've been doing it ever since um i like i said the heaviest i got to was 95 kilos um i was planning on pursuing um bodybuilding uh, as, a, as a as a profession uh but um just like the title of this podcast things are precarious my health my health i have ups and downs um you know i would go into hospital all of the the weight that i'd put on i would lose in a matter of weeks and i'd have to come out and every every time that happened it was very difficult getting back in back into the swing of things again you know you is there's a sort of also this sense of um you know feeling demoralized you know all of that hard work that you've that you've put in yeah yeah so but um you know i was i i started getting worse back in 2017 and i haven't properly been able to get back trading um it might keep getting these reoccurring bleeds on my lung. Um, you know, I'm very tired a lot of the time. I sleep a lot. Um, I've just not been able to keep up with, you know, my body just, you know, I can't push it like I used to. Um, so the likelihood of me pursuing it professionally is like very slim. But, you know, I've, I've come to terms with that. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Thankfully, um, with the release of a new drug called Caftrio, which I've been on for four or five, four months, I think, um, you know, I feel a lot better. Um, And before this recent lockdown, um, I had been training again and it felt great. Um, It it has given me a a new lease of life. Um, So, you know, things when sometimes when things look you know, bleak. bleak or impossible. There are always there are always other avenues or you know other things that, that can pop up, and that's something that I've that I've um, you know been dealing with my whole life. I mean, if you if you at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I mentioned that I recently graduated. I mean, some of the viewers. They may be like, oh, he's 28 years old. Why is he only graduating now? It's like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, it took it took me a few years to get all my A-levels. Um, so I was in and out of hospital. Um, and I was very poorly for a couple of years. And my mum mentioned, you know, I nearly died a couple of times. Um, and then and then you have, um, and then I started university. And my first year went really well. Uh, very few absences and then all of a sudden second year comes around um, and you know I'm getting all these bleeds on my lung spending a lot more time in hospital um, and being told I can't do the things that I, I'd like to do or used to do um, so yeah it, it took me uh, five years to complete my degree um, but you know I've, I've done it I've done it now so I can, you know, pursue other other endeavours. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, what the future has in, has in store for me. And that is why you're one of the most inspiring people I've ever met, my friend. You have just... You <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you guys on a podcast, and you're right, this is a precarious story for precarious parenting. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> so much. 
So um, tell me, tell me how, tell me about you as a family. Now you've both have already really intimated to the the um, the, the bond that you have, uh, the teamwork that goes on. But could you just, you know, how how do you see your family through all of this? With with Jenny, you know, the fact that with all four children and and with everything you do with with East Dorset, you know, NF Trust and you know just everything you guys do, how do you see your family through this? Yeah, so I our our, our family's great. It really is. Um, I personally couldn't ask for a, a better set of parents. You know, mum and dad um, have been absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, some sometimes, you know, I feel you know a sense of guilt that I've had to put them through uh, through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, when I've been poorly and things, I, regardless of whether it's in my control or not, um, you know, I, I still I still feel they do so much. Uh, they're just they're just great. Um, and you know, Jenny, Jenny's a great sister. Um, you know, there's a there's a a real connection with Jenny and I. We've we've been through a lot together, um, uh, and we're probably the we we get on very well because we we know exactly what the other has been through or is going through. And although although mum and dad are great and and they they're such wonderful parents, <clears throat> they 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 don't un, they can't necessarily understand you know the intricacies or the the, the emotions that that Jenny and I both experience. Um, so it is nice to to have have someone talk to about it. And uh, Jenny Jenny and I, uh, yeah, we we we're, we're good. It really is a special, unique bond that the two of them have, mm. like nothing I've ever seen before. Mm. But um, yeah, but we haven't spoken much about you know my my old man, my dad. Um, he's uh, he's he's a great dad as well. He wouldn't like the old. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but tough. He's not. He's not here. So, um, but uh, yeah, he, he's. He's just, uh, it's, it's hard to put in words, it really is. I mean, I remember growing up um, and he, he was a head teacher, so he, he worked long hours and I wouldn't, I wouldn't see him that, that, that often. Um, uh, obviously, because I would be at school or at nursery or, or whatever. Um, but um, Dad um, took early retirement um, when I was just starting second school um jenny and i were um uh you know jenny had started school primary school i was starting uh, secondary school and you know dad just stepped up and you know looked after us especially when we were when we were ill um he, he's, he's he's a wonderful dad he is um i couldn't ask for better parents i really couldn't um <laughs> So, but um, yeah, yeah. I, there's not really much more to say. Um, well, that bond is really apparent just listening to you both. Um, what's it like, Sally, hearing Alex say that? 
it's it's really moving, really moving. And, you know, the CF journey, it's such a challenging one. Um, You know, there's unbearable pain and anxiety at times. Um, But there's also that immense joy and relief and happiness at other times, um, as it is for anyone who has a child with a serious illness. Yeah. Um, as, as a mum and a dad, you, you, you want to take the suffering away from your children and instead you've got to watch it and you wish it was you and not them. And unfortunately, with CF, it happens time and time again. So it is exhausting. Um, but as Alex mentioned, last year we had this wonderful drug, Caftrio, um, that improves the quality of uh, 90% of people with CF's lives. Um, Alex's lung function has gone up by about 12%, which just, it's incredible. Um, And and I think really this is the best hope we have for the future. Um, And the journey's definitely been made closer um, and easier because we, we are such a close-knit family. You know, there's, there's unwavering support um, and, and unconditional love for one another. Mm. Um, we also have an amazing, caring um, team at Southampton General Hospital um, that are really sometimes more like a family. Mm. Um, as a nurse, the CF journey is a daunting one. Um, I'm continually swapping my CF mum hat for my CF nurse hat. Um, and sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between the two. Um, and, and it can be really difficult at times. Um, having the knowledge and the experience as a nurse has enabled me to nip infections in the bud and, and also to give better care to Alex and Jenny at home and when they're in hospital. Um, but there's always that price that having too much knowledge at times is definitely a disadvantage mentally. And sometimes I wish I didn't know what I know. Um, we've had our ups and downs with treatments and I, I try not to d- nag about treatments. Um, and I hope that I'm improving, but it's still natural to want to keep them well and give them the best opportunities in life to stay fit and well Mm. Uh, at the same time it's not me that's doing all the treatments day in and day out it's their lives it's their thoughts it's their feelings it's not mine so it's their choice yeah and and sometimes that's really really difficult yes we absolutely I have to say we have amazing dear friends who help us on this journey and have supported and propped us up when we've needed it since day one and they've been invaluable and have always been there for us. Yeah we do this journey together as a family and it's all about compromise and communication um, and one of one of I remember one of Jenny's um, Uh, favourite artists Frida Kahlo said she wrote at the end of the day we can endure much more than we think we can beautiful yeah Yeah, I agree with that I think um sorry carry on go on Alex 
No, I, I was thinking like yeah, Jenny and I have, you know, endured quite a lot of, you know, pain and suffering over the years. But I don't think either of us would change change that. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's, it's certainly moulded us into stronger people. Um, so no, I, I think if you were to ask Jenny or I that question, whether whether we would, you know, if if we could be born with that without CF, would we? And I don't. The obvious answer is yes, because you know who wants to live with a, you know, degenerative disease. But I do think it has molded us into mm. you know better mm. better human beings. Um, so I'd have to say no. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you both what what would be your message to anybody out there who maybe is pregnant and knows they are carrying a baby with CF or maybe is starting on the CF journey or maybe is struggling more with this than, mm. than you know yeah, so if if I could give uh, any advice to um parents with CF or people who are planning to have a fat start a family it would be uh, don't molly coddle your children um you know it's a natural um don't wrap them up in yeah cotton don't wrap wool. them up in cotton wool um it, it i know it's a natural feeling to protect your child and especially if they are ill but don't deprive them of of being a being a kid you know let them let them play with their friends let them roll around in the dirt in the playground let them fall over and scuff their knee you know it'll, it'll only make them stronger in, and, in the long run um and that's living isn't that, it? that's that's what it is you know we we might have you know less time on this this earth than than the average person so you know don't deprive them of of you know experiencing and 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 being a kid um and then my second piece of advice is get your get your child into exercising or sport as early as you can yeah don't don't force them to to do sport by any means but you know give them give them a myriad of options that they could choose from let them experiment with all sorts of different sports the younger you get your child into some form of some form of sport the longer you, you know you, you, their life in expectancy will it will increase um so uh, take take me for example you know I, ever since i started bodybuilding my my health is um although i've had certainly precarious moments and n- near death experiences and things like that i i would most certainly be dead now if i didn't start exercising when i did uh, there's no there's no question about that so and the thing with it is um something i learned at university and um psychology it was you can't adhere to something that you don't enjoy so find a sport that you enjoy that you love doing and 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 stick with it and and do it you won't regret it you you know 10 15 years down the line you will 
you will be a healthier person for it. Um, That's and, great advice. That's really great yeah. advice. And it doesn't even have to be an organised sport, can it? It's just a physical activity that you really oh, love. And singing. Singing is, yeah. is wonderful exercise. Um, Alex was head boy um, at the Priory for many years. And Alec, and Jenny and Alex both got into the National Youth Choir for Great Britain. No, oh, I did um, not know that. Very, get that yeah, one choir. Yeah. Yeah, a be- <laughs> uh, beautiful singing voices. So, um, so Sally, have you got um, a message to any parents out there? Do you yes, to I, wrap up now? I think, I think you know, research is improving all the time. The future is looking more positive for those with CF than it ever has done before. Um, and those who are known carriers, remember, there's a Seventy-five percent chance that you may have a healthy child free of CF. So read up about CF. Be prepared as you can be. Contact the CF Trust for further information. And I just wanted to add that both Alex and Jenny don't allow CF to define them. Mm. Uh, Ivan and I we're in awe of their strength and resilience and their achievements are truly amazing and inspiring. Um, Alex's motto is carpe diem, seize the day. And Jenny's motto is do what makes you happy. Life is too short. There's there's an incredible um, poem called Welcome to Holland by Emily Pearl Kingsley. And it sums up the experience of raising a child with a disability or serious illness to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it and to imagine how it would feel. I don't know if I've got time to read it. Let's let's do it. It, it, it it's, it's beautiful. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning. So first of all, it's Welcome to Holland by Emily Pearl Kingsley. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas of Venice. And you may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands and the stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks and you must learn a whole new language and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place slower pace than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills, Holland has tulips, and Holland even has Rembrandts. <laughs> but everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy, and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. 
And the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Oh, Sally, that's such a beautiful poem. and um, It is beautiful. Yeah, and your emotion is so gorgeous because I know it's coming from love and I know it's coming from, you know, a place of... Um, owning this journey that you've been on as a family and and as an individual as a mother and I'm really grateful that you read it out so I've loved I've loved this we've gone way over time I don't care couldn't care less I think this is <laughs> such an important episode for people to listen whether they have children who have CF or an, or another uh, you you said disability or not I think this is a really important episode so how where would you guide people to go and get support what where would be I know you're in Dorset in the UK but where would you guide people to find more out more Uh, The Cystic Fibrosis Trust, the headquarters is in London. They've got fantastic websites and uh, the support that they give and education is incredible. We are so lucky to have them. Mm. Okay, and I'll I'll put their website in the show notes so people will know. And I'll actually try and find Welcome to Holland and I'll stick that in the show notes too. Um, Thank you both so much. I think maybe we might have another episode in us yet. (laughs) We'll we'll wait and see a part two. But um, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marie. You've been listening to Precarious Parenting by Realisation Works. Subscribe to realisationworks.com to access more resources, including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.